Morning, we're going to look briefly at Isaiah chapter 6, uh, verses 1 to 8, and Margaret's going to read the passage to us. Isaiah chapter 6, 1 to 8. In the year that King Uzziah died, I saw the Lord, high and exalted, seated on a throne, and the train of his robe filled the temple. Above him were seraphim, each with six wings. With two wings they covered their faces, with two they covered their feet, and with two they were flying, and they were calling to one another, Holy, holy, holy is the Lord Almighty, The whole earth is full of his glory. At the sound of their voices, the doorposts and thresholds shook, and the temple was filled with smoke. Woe to me, I cried, I am ruined, for I am a man of unclean lips, and I live among a people of unclean lips, and my eyes have seen the King, the Lord Almighty. Then one of the seraphim flew to me with a live coal in his hand, which he had taken with tongs from the altar. With it he touched my mouth and said, See, this has touched your lips. Your guilt is taken away and your sin atoned for. Then I heard the voice of the Lord saying, Whom shall I send and who will go for us? And I said, Here I am, send me. Let us sing the, the hymn that's very appropriate. Holy, holy, Lord God Almighty, early, it's early in the morning, our song shall rise to thee. Holy, holy, merciful and mighty, God in three persons, blessed Trinity. Let us stand and sing. Holy. <coughs> One day... Many, many years ago, about 700 years before the birth of the Lord Jesus Christ, a young man by the name of Isaiah went to the temple in Jerusalem. What he saw and what he felt that day in the temple remained with him for the rest of his life. It turned his life upside down. He saw something of his God that he'd never seen before. He saw something of the splendor, the magnificence of God. It was to define him as a person and it gave him strength and encouragement during the very long years he ministered, 40 years as God's voice. Often in his memory, Isaiah would go back to that day in the temple when he saw the Lord high and lifted up. But what is all this to do with you and me, here and now? After all, he lived such a long time ago, and he belonged to a very different kind of world. What in particular are we to make of what is called the call of Isaiah in chapter 6? All good questions. (laughs) Who's got the answers? Let us all pray. Let us think we need to pray about this. Let us pray. Lord God, loving Saviour, in your mercy and your grace, 
open our eyes, our hearts to what you want to, to learn, uh, Lord, from this passage this morning. Lord, help us not to get bogged down in detail, but help us, Lord, to see and to feel what you want us to know. That we may not just hear your word, but that your word may, as it were, seep into our very bones and bear fruit to the glory and praise of your holy name. Amen. Just to sort of get us on the way, there are two things about Isaiah and ourselves we should know. First of all, Isaiah lived in a broken, fallen world. Without going into any detail, following the death of, of Uzziah, there was a great deal of international tension. The Assyrians were on the border, and any moment they would invade. On top of this, there were lots of problems within the society of its time. There was a huge gap, nothing alters, is it? There was a huge gap between the rich and the, and the poor. There was corruption on every kind, and religion had become empty and shallow. And its religious leaders no longer spoke the word of God. Now, without going into any detail, uh, we do live in also a broken, fallen world today. We can see this as Christians, can't we? We can see that the world, there's some wonderful things about the world, but there are also awful things going on. Only last week, I think it was, the head of the United Nations described our world as dysfunctional. Dysfunctional. We see suffering in, on, and injustice on every hand. Secondly, Isaiah was called to serve his God in the world in which he was placed. He didn't separate himself away. He didn't say, right, I'm going to hide away now uh, from all these people here and all these problems here. I'm going to hide away and forget them. No, Isaiah rubbed shoulders with the people of his time and he spoke out against the evils, the injustice and the suffering of his time. Now, as Christians, we don't use this phrase, but in the good old days, you say, I'm old enough to talk about the good old days. In the good old days, we used to talk about being saved to serve. You remember that? We're saved to serve. We're not saved to just come to church and to pray and read the Bible and one day go to heaven. We're saved to serve God in the world. We're served to be, we're called to be his servants. Paul puts it even like this, we are co-workers with Christ and with God. Isn't that incredible? We are working with him here on earth. We might not know the great and the powerful and the good, you might do, I don't. <laughs> um, but, we are called to serve God in the place where he puts us. As ordinary people meeting dead ordinary people day by day, God's call to you and to me is to serve. Isaiah chapter 6, call, God called Isaiah to service, to mission, to witness in the world 
in which he lived. At the end of this little episode that we read this morning, Isaiah says, uh, God says to him, Whom shall I send? Who will go for us? Isaiah said, Lord, here I am. Send me. So what enabled Isaiah from going into the temple to being at that point where he says, Lord, I'm here. I'm willing. Send me. I'll do it. He came to the point where he became not just a servant, but a willing servant. Submissive. Lord, send me. Send me. Send me. In calling us to serve him, the Lord also prepares you and me for service. Isaiah could never imagine what would have happened to him that day. But later, no doubt, sometime later, he would have known why it was that God had spoken to him. Why it was that he saw the Lord high and lifted up. So let us turn to Isaiah chapter 6 and trace the path by which God led Isaiah to service. God led him step by step to service, to the point where he said, Lord, send me. In this chapter then, read for us, we have two things. We have Isaiah's vision and the impact of that vision on him. Let us first of all look at Isaiah's vision. We see here the presence of God. In coming into the temple, Isaiah found himself in God's very presence. It wasn't by accident. He didn't sort of walk down the street and just found himself in the temple. He was seeking God. He was seeking the presence of God. He wanted to be along with God, in God's presence. So whatever was happening in the world... And whatever was happening in his own life, Isaiah felt he had to be alone with God. (coughs) Excuse me. There is no substitute for you to be alone with Jesus. There is no substitute for being alone with our Saviour, our God. For being, as it were, in the temple... However disturbing and threatening things may be in the world, and I turn the television on, I'm a, a news geek, geek. I have to see it at 12, I have to see it at 5, I have to see it at 6. And it, it's shocking. It's so depressing. It's so disturbing. Because it, you, you, you see things happening to people thousands of miles away, and it, it's as if it's happening in your house, face to face. Whatever is this disturbing and threatening in the world and and perhaps in our own lives it's absolutely vital for you and for me to be along with God to be along with Jesus some part of the day to be alone and being alone with Jesus, with God isn't confined to being here in church on Sunday morning It can be anywhere where we feel his presence. It may be standing at a bus stop. 
It may be washing the dishes in the kitchen. It may be walking through a field where we feel the presence of God. And often in that moment, in that very moment, we see something of the glorious, awesome, loving nature of our God. Isaiah was also confronted with the holiness of God. In feeling God's presence, Isaiah was overwhelmed by the holiness of God. He sees God as Lord and Sovereign, as a sort of king on a throne, high and lifted up. And God is surrounded, God is awesome in majesty, enthroned on high and surrounded by seraphs who worship him continuously. But it is the holiness, it's the holiness that strikes Isaiah. The choir shouts out, sings out, holy, holy, holy is the almighty, the all earth is full of his glory. The very temple itself shook with the presence of God. No doubt Isaiah before this knew that God was holy. But there was something about this occasion, there was something about this moment that the holiness of God just seemed to strike him like an arrow. His very being was shaken by it. What was the impact of Isaiah's vision? Well, the impact upon him was devastating. It was intense, it was thorough. First of all, we come to his confession. (coughs) Excuse me. In having seen the holiness of God, in seeing how pure and how wonderful God is, (coughs) when he sees himself, He sees how unworthy he is. He sees himself as he's perhaps never seen himself before. That he's ugly and profane within himself. And those within the world are just in the same place as himself. (coughs) And he cries out, Woe to me, I'm a man of unclean lips. Isaiah felt doomed. He felt finished. He felt at rock bottom. He felt as if there was nowhere to go from here. And he felt absolutely as if life was come to an end. And that's true of you and me, isn't it? When we catch a glimpse of the purity the wonder, the kindness of Jesus, we see ourselves as we are, without his help and grace. We, ask, we see ourselves as unclean, unworthy, and that's why in grace we, we cry out to him, Lord, save me. We then come to Isaiah's cleansing. Isaiah was left devastated, distraught, and and completely broken. Here's this man who feels this, that's it, life's over, I'm doomed. But then there comes this, this wonderful thing here. 
Then, notice verse 8, Then one of the seraphs flew to me with a live coal in his hand. Isn't that wonderful? Isn't that glorious? He felt there was nowhere to go. Life was as dark and as as possible. And he'd fit, he was finished. He, he gave up. But then God came to him in grace. God came to him in grace and ministered to him. And he repents. His lips are made clean. He is forgiven. He is restored. It says your guilt is taken away and your sin atoned. And that of course reminds us, doesn't it, of what Isaiah could never, ever, ever, ever possibly imagine. Of the wonderful cleansing, the wonderful atonement that the Lord Jesus achieved on the cross when he died upon the cross for you and for me. Though, in a sense, like Isaiah, there was no hope for us. But now in Christ, we are ransomed, healed, restored and forgiven. Something that Isaiah could never ever possibly imagine. He is cleansed, he is made ready for service. (coughs) Then finally, (coughs) we come to Isaiah's commissioning. The Lord then seeks a messenger. Whom shall I send? And who will go for us? Isaiah just says, here am I. Send me. I'm now prepared. I'm now ready and willing. So in boldness and joy, he offers himself for service. But the message he was given, the job he was given, was, to put it mildly, a very difficult one. It was one of judgment. But there is a slender, if you read the verses afterwards, there's a slender thread of hope. The righteous remnant will not be destroyed, but survive and grow into the new people of God. So Isaiah, we see here in this wonderful, in these wonderful verses, how God led him along a path. A path that led to service. For Isaiah, it had been a thrilling, an amazing journey. And no doubt he was joyful. But also, it involved a lot of tears, pain and suffering. And that's the way for you and me. God is leading you and me into service. Oh yes, there's a sense in which we are servants. We are servants. But he is preparing us to be more effective servants. And to perhaps go something like the way that he worked in Isaiah's life. Isaiah had caught a glimpse of the holiness of God. He had become deeply aware of his own sinfulness and his need of God's grace. And finally, he came to the point in his life where he bowed before him, bowed before his God, and offered him unreservedly to his service. In the words of our final hymn, 
he said, here, here I am, wholly available. As for me, I will serve the Lord. So folks, may God work in your life, continue to work in your life and my life, that we too will gladly and willingly surrender to him, to his call to, to service as he leads us along a path to service, to servanthood. It won't be easy. It might mean some sort of suffering, pain, tears. But at the end of it, we will be servants, prepared by the King. So let us now come to communion. Let us have a few, just a few moments, quietness, before we come to communion.